Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to the Wise Men Say podcast just when you thought you had heard The Last of Us for the summer. We are back by popular demand. Well, not quite, just because I want to do a podcast because I haven't done one for ages. And uh, we are going to laugh at League One now in a way because um, we can and we're allowed and our arrogance has finally been proven as we've uh, managed to get promoted out of this stupid league that we have been stuck in for four years. What we're going to do tonight is we are going to construct a worst 11 of Sunderland's League One stint. Joining myself, Stephen Goldsmith, to do that is Mickey Love. You okay, Mickey? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I still haven't really come down from Wembley, really. No, well, we'll get on to that because I, I, I can certainly... Um, relate to that. Um, Jimmy, who never comes down from anything, is with us as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thanks, and obviously very, very happy first pod for me since, uh, since it happened as well. Yeah. So I'm absolutely buzzing as I'm sure you'd expect. Well, you, you've managed to have your CEO on, on your Wembley experience, haven't you, Jim? But um, myself and Mick yeah. haven't had the chance. Not that anybody be interested, but we've got the platform to do it, so I might as well do a really quick summary, Mick of. of of uh, what you were alluding to there, just your, your experiences and and that whole thing at Wembley. Yeah, it was just a fantastic weekend. It was like brilliant. I got to experience it with like all my family, which was really, really special to us. And, you know, we obviously did it and just, as I say, just be surrounded by like all of my loved ones. Like I was a little bit gutted. I didn't get to see you. It was kind of like over the course of the weekend, but that was just the way things turned out. But, as I say, it's the weekend that will stick with me like, like absolutely long in the memory probably for the rest of my life. And I think the moment I think that's going to stick with me in particular was when that spontaneous kind of outburst of uh, singing Wonderwall when the lads were going to get the trophy just sounded absolutely spine-tingling. So, yeah, it was just an absolutely like, unbelievable day. And as I say, I probably will never forget it. I agree on the on the whole making up thing. I feel, feel um, like I was outside the party bit, but it wasn't for the one to try it on my half. Because we did, I did see in well, five guys. Well, <laughs> you did, you did, yeah. Certainly by you know yeah. more by fault than design, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that wasn't for the one to try because everybody knows you, you talk about the pub, the Marquis, which is where where we uh, or where I use generally. I've been there a couple of times. Um, Ted Agora when we're in when we're in London, and I did try and go there, and I followed my sat nav. And it took me to a different Marquis. And oh. when we got there, we'd already been like moving around loads and we just wanted to get started. And I was like, you know what, I've tried. <laughs> and it just so happens that that second Marquis pub was right next to Trafalgar Square as well. Oh, I did. Massive coincidence. So uh, mm-hmm. I just decided to do that instead. But I did catch up with you and John and five guys. And uh, I yeah. did have a pint with Matt 
um, before the game. It's interesting what you've just said there, Mick, about struggling to come down because I don't think I, I've not. I've had a really bad come down from this, <laughs> like just that whole experience. And Craig touched on this when he was on the pod, where it's like you know, you know, I was I was drunk as well when the game was going on. I'm not going to pretend I wasn't, but still, really remember all the key moments so vividly. And just being, you know, swept away with all that emotion is, is something I've never, ever witnessed at a football match ever. Uh, you know, when that final whistle went, I've never experienced anything like it supporting Sunderland. And, um, you know, it, it's it's been quite hard to come down from that, I think. It was hard to adjust back to, like, normality, I thought, on like on Sunday when we sort of got back early afternoon and just coming back into the house, it's like, oh, right, I'm back home now. This feels weird. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't feel like you're ready to stop yeah. celebrating type of thing but you also you're like you're out you've got back to me so yeah I know what you mean it was hard to adjust and then the good thing is all the content that's been coming out like obviously from the club and it's the other videos and all the different angles and then obviously us being able to put stuff out last week and that as well it's been quite good to sort of keep it going a bit but I know what you mean in terms of like the the, the euphoria at the end that like, was absolutely was just crazy like it, yeah just it, it, it was almost like one of those otherworldly feelings where you don't really Sort of, you can't really even then fully comprehend what's happened. But then looking back at it, it when I'm watching the videos, I'm always thinking, like, was that really there? Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't almost feel real, does it? Do you know what I mean? It's mad. Yeah, it is. It's something that, you know, only Derby wins can come close to that. And, and, I, I, and I don't think any of them, any of them do. So, um, yeah, that was interesting. Something I didn't share with you, or haven't shared with you, is in the group chat, um, which was which was a, a terrible decision on my behalf. But you might be interested to hear it was. As you know, I was splitting my journey, so Durham Leeds, Kings Cross, and reversed on the way back. And uh, we had an hour and a half in Leeds when we got there. And I never, ever, ever buy Sunderland tops. Right? I just, I just don't do. It. I just don't wear them. I, I, it's just not something I do. The only time as an adult I've ever owned one was the one with Ball Sports as a sponsor when Roy Keane oh, was yeah. manager. And we got I've promoted got to the Premier League <laughs> then. And I just, I loved the kit, you know, and, it, you know, the, the the vibes were so positive then. And I felt really proud of lads and I bought it. And I wore it. We went to Dublin that pre-season and I wore it a bit then. And it's just been in my cupboard and occasionally I get out of a player five or side or something, but I just, I just don't wear it. And I took it down to Wembley with us and I don't know why. And I didn't wear it for the match and I knew I wasn't going to. And the day after, I just felt so proud and I was on this massive high as we've discussed there and I thought you know I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my son on top on here because I'm I'm like so proud and I'm so buzzing and yeah. I stuck my son on top on and everything was great and then we got to Leeds and we had like an hour and a half before our train to Durham and I'll be honest because I never wear Sunderland tops I just forgot I was wearing it. it totally totally escaped my mind that I was wearing it and we went into a pub on the way down and got some food and it was a great pub across just across from the train station and we went in there and we were like let's just go back in there and have a quick pint while we were for our train. And uh, walked in, and Leeds were playing their final Premier League game at the time. And the pub was absolutely bouncing. And, you know, like just on the films and stuff where somebody walks in and the record scratches, it was like one of those moments. <laughs> and I walked in, and I immediately thought, shit. And um, <laughs> the whole pub started chanting at us. Uh, like who are you? Who are you? Oh, and it was one God. of those moments I thought, well, I can't turn around and leave. Like I've got to try and style us out now and get to the bar. So I did that, and it's a bit of a blur that thirty-second walk. And um, to be <laughs> fair, the, the the guy who was the bar manager came up and asked for his picture taken with us because he said he's one of his best friends was from Sutton. 
and we actually sat down next to some lads and they were all right. And they, they actually said, you know, they said, I think initially when he walked in the pub, because Leeds were playing Brentford, and they said, I think people thought you were a Brentford fan because you came in the pub and you were wearing red and white stripes. <laughs> so as soon as they realised I was a Southern fan, they were actually all right. And they came over and they were getting selfies with us and stuff. And and it was okay. It was The experience was okay after that. And uh, That initial yeah. thought, though, when you walked in, that was oh, a bit like... <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know... It was just just the reality of what it like the realization of what I'd done and the decision I'd I'd, I'd made without even realizing I was making it because the t- the time just didn't enter my mind or anything. So I've got a bit of a similar one. It's not nowhere near obviously the high year experience and Steve, but it's just about awkwardly walking into a pub and everything stops. So can you remember when we played St Mirren away in pre season under Jack Ross? So obviously yeah. like like Paisley kind of just outside of Glasgow, not the most kind of like affluent of areas, shall we say. And we walked into this like proper like old school booze that had like some mirror and paraphernalia everywhere before us a pre-season friendly would be sound. None of us had colours on, but we walked in and obviously we heard the accents come very our mouth straight away. And honestly the pub just went absolutely deathly quiet as we sat there and it's like, oh shit. So kind of we stood there waiting for our pints really awkwardly. And then like one guy just looks over and like was me and like three of my mates. And I think like as you know, like I'm not exactly kind of like slimmer of the year, but I think I was like out of the group of lads I probably was. And like someone just looked up he goes Fuck me! What are the Fiji's on in Sunderland? <laughs> and just like pretend, <laughs> absolutely disappeared, and like the bought us drinks. It was a class laugh, but like like you say, it's that thirty seconds of just absolute like silence, like fucking all like. Yeah, yeah, there must be a big group of lads if you're the smallest, Mickey. That would be an interesting, <laughs> definitely be an interesting sight. But uh, yeah, we're not uh, wasting anyone else's time with that. But, it, but yeah, that thirty seconds was very. You know, you're talking out like an outer body of experience. Uh, that I got at Wembley, I also got one then the day after um, for the other the sort of. But you walked into like Green Street or football. Oh, I just, I just, <laughs> just you know the penny dropping. Like I said, I, I just didn't even cross like think about that that scenario could happen when it should have done really because it was quite obvious. But never mind, um, I got through it and we were fine. Um, right, so what we're going to do um, this evening is we're we're going to go over. Um, what we think or construct what we think might be the worst ever 11 that Sunderland have had uh, during their time league. Once just a bit of fun and also some person, you know, somebody on Twitter was getting really defensive over one of the players who was they thought was obviously going to be included in this and saying they were a nice guy and it's just look this is what fanzines do, this is what podcasts do, you call players crap when they're crap and we're just having a bit of a laugh it's a four year spelling league, one none of us ever, ever want to return to and you know that's all it is. So we're going to work is I'm going to go to Jimmy and Mick, and yeah, you're both going to give me with a goal position uh, through the positions, and you're going to give me who your choice is, um, and you know why. I'm going to then have the final decision and say who makes the um, the wise men say team. I'm speaking on behalf of everybody. I'm sorry. Um, what I will say is though that you know we put this question out on Twitter and we've had some response to the point where I was starting to collate responses and I had to just stop. I can't remember us doing a podcast in a long, long time where we've had this much reaction. So I, I, I can't really do that to the extent that I would like to. It would have taken me hours just to like go through all of the answers and 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 and, and try and do that. But what I will say is that um, if for whatever reason there's somebody who doesn't make the team by in order, in other words, if you don't pick somebody, but the public demand that they're in the team then they're going to go in the team. So I'm just saying that now. So a bit like, you know, the Eurovision when uh, the UK were absolutely romping home. And then just in the last minute, the public vote came in and derailed everything and spoiled everything. It's going to be a little bit like that. So how is that for a very labour analogy? And if you didn't watch the Eurovision Song Contest, you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. Okay, right. 
let's kick off straight away then. Mickey, uh, you're a goalkeeper. Tell us who you've picked in your team in goal. I've got a feeling, obviously me and Jim don't know each other's answers, but I've got a feeling we're going to be identical on this one, Remy Matthews. Um, do you want me to give me justification now? Or well, I mean, it's probably one of those where it needs a little justification. Uh, what I will <laughs> say is, you know, because you had said that to me, that me, I'm, I'm, you, know, you, you stressed that to me that you and Jimmy sort of see Sunderland in a football um, in a similar way and you're worried that your answers were going to be the same. Remy Matthews is one of the ones on Twitter where we had an outpouring of suggestions and there's no way any other goalkeeper could make this team. What I will say is, initially in Jimmy's team... Um, do you, do you want to explain, Jimmy? Yeah, um, I uh, I actually forgot all about Remy Matthews <laughs> initially. Um, I did correct it afterwards, but I reluctantly and I did I did actually stress reluctantly at the time uh, have Birds in there uh, just because yeah. I have the keepers I remembered, as in sort of McLaughlin, him, uh, Hoffman, and Patterson. Uh, I reluctantly had Birds at the bottom of that list, but obviously remembering um, Remy Matthews. Uh, he was he was the obvious choice, like you said. I mean, we've been quite blessed in a way. I think, bar him, to have had decent keepers the majority of the time we've been in the league. Sometimes, you know, even Birds and you know, you know, his penalty saving two in one match against Doncaster, obviously the shootout against QPR, and overall not a bad, a bad keeper. Um, obviously, Hoffman and Patterson, young but fairly promising, and McLaughlin was was obviously a decent keeper. So yeah, I was struggling a bit, but um, luckily, Remy Matthews saved the day. I mean, he was, he was like, you know, obviously, I mean, he's a lot better at goalkeeper than I am, but I feel comfortable in saying that he well, was really, really uh, The thing is, well, Remy Matthews... The whole time, every game, he did something quite spectacularly bad. I think Remy Matthews, he was a... Matthews, sorry to cut across to him, he was a bit of a vibe as well. Like, So I was saying it's weird, like, because we, none of us ever saw Matthews play in the flesh, but we all know that he's by far the worst goalkeeper during this period. And I think he was responsible for my most pathetic football-related outburst ever. So it was one of his many mistakes came against Burton Albion at home, where like on yeah. the afternoon it had all kind of broke down with Paul Year. We weren't getting Paul Year back. Nobody oh, had a clue yeah. who the manager was going to be. It was quite an uninspiring kind of selection. And when you're an uninspiring choice to replace Phil Parkinson, you know what I mean? It's not, it's very slim pickings. Anyway, he made that mistake against Burton Albion to go 1 0 down. I just remember just watching it and I just absolutely just like just pathetically launched, like kind of like the half full can across the room. <laughs> it just absolutely, it's just one of them, like a minute later, you catch yourself and you think, what, like, what am I doing? But I think what I encapsulated was, like, we look back now on lockdown football and you think how grim it was. But at the time, it was kind of all we had, like, without being kind of like too dramatic about it. The only thing we had to do, really, because I was furloughed at the time, was just kind of like, was watch football when it was on. And it was just kind of like, I was like, I'm watching the worst period in the club's history, the worst goalkeeper we've probably ever had. And like, I can't even go up a match or have a few beers. Like, I honestly just. Lost he it. summed it up, didn't he? He just summed it up. I mean, yeah, he, he, you know, often the keepers basically settle the matter of one thing that they're not great at, be it shot stopping, positioning, decision making. But he was just like bad at all. all he made massive cock ups that would encompass all of those different facets of what it is to be a keeper and could do it on a quite regular basis. How, I mean, obviously, because it's uh, an ex Sunderland player, he's now playing in the Premier League, well, playing in the Premier League. He's contracted to a Premier League club as well, which just makes you think, like, how, yeah, you know, Jason Steele did it to yeah, Brighton. He went down the same Matthews has done it to Palace. And quite what it is about these keepers that makes these sort of mid table Prem teams want them as their fourth choice, I don't know. But clearly, 
fair play to Matthews, he's he's making the money off it. Well, we did, we <laughs> did. I mean, I think all Sunderland fans did think we were just cursed with goalkeepers at that point. We thought John McLaughlin was maybe a one-off because we'd followed on from Cap and and Steele and 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 had this guy who was uh, you know worse and. Um, yeah, I, I was laughing last night, Jimmy, when I, I, I received your initial team and you put Burge reluctantly and I thought, that's strange. And then like an hour later or whatever it was, you were just like, oh, right, oh, oh, I need to change that to Raymond Matthews. I do wonder what moment, what it was you were doing when the penny dropped and you had that well, line and went, moment. I went on like the squad um, <laughs> and I'd been doing it um, for the, to do the team anyway, but, but I sort of just happened to look back and then, that the year he played for us, I was like, oh, because he wasn't at the top of the list, you see, Birds was, but if you scrolled down, Matthews was near the bottom, whatever squad list I was looking, must have been by number, and I was like, oh shit, Remy Matthews is there, I was like, I've got to, I've got to change this, and I was like, I can't, I can't go on this now that I'm, because that would have been indefensible for me to have said the Birds was worse than Matthews, so I just had to change it. Yeah, I do kind of wish you, you, you forgot up until this point, but never mind. Yeah. Uh, so you remember on uh, Five Live back in the day, we used to have in, um, Defending Indefensible on the Colin Murray show in the morning. Oh, yeah. gym there. That would have been a good topic, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, well, I think, you know, inevitably, um, he goes into the team to Tony Matthews, unfortunately, um, as a, as a, as Sunderland's goalkeeper in this worst 11. Um, we're going to move through the back, the back four now. You both went for back four, so that's nice and easy. Um, I'm going to start on the right-hand side because the left-hand side throws up an interesting debate. Um, who have you got, Jimmy, as your right-back? Uh, I've got Mr Donald Love um, as our right-back. I mean, I guess he was obviously signed in the Premier League and he was equally as bad in League One as he was in the Premier League. He's obviously now playing in League Two, I think, for Salford, um, in midfield, weirdly, I think. But anyway, for us, he was a right-back and he was um, pretty much terrible the whole time. He played. He didn't play that often when he did play. I mean, the fact that no manager seemed to fancy him at all, other than there's like the, the like the absolute sort of last last roll of the dice. I think if, if we had no one else who could fill in. I mean, Luke O'Neill played right back ahead of him when he barely played for us in midfield at one point, didn't he? So I think uh, yeah, for me, Don Love um, as right back just just would would be the obvious choice. It's interesting again, you know, and Donald Donald Love did get mentioned by a few a few people on on Twitter and one of the tweets. Um, Donald Love, never seen nout like him. Soup legs. Now, soup legs is the username of the Twitter guy, not Donald Love, but I just thought, that quite, <laughs> I thought that was quite interesting, so I put that in. A few people mentioned Donald Love. Somebody said they, they begrudgingly put him in because um, because of his nice, cute face. They felt, uh, they felt a bit harsh. Uh, McGee, have you gone for the same? Yeah, I have. I mean, I felt really guilty as a long-term kind of Donald Love enthusiast. And you know when you've got oh, like kind of... <laughs> yeah, you know when you've got that like banter player that like you kind of get behind. That for me was always Donald Love. And when I was drunk at the matches, I used to really irritate people by over enthusiastically like cheering for him every time he got the ball. And I remember disproportionately going mental when he scored for our under twenty threes in the Czech trade against Hartlepool. And there was about four hundred of us down there. And like because it was Donald Love from just outside the area, like there was like fairly decent scenes. Like considering sort of Hartlepool fans was like, what the fuck are these on? Like, but um. <laughs> But no, like you say, Jim, like Donald Love, he just got progressively worse. And I think right back was a tough one. So I was glad that Love kind of stood out, even though he didn't play that much for us in League One. Because when you look through, I felt bad picking any of the other lads, really, because yeah. most of them weren't right backs by trade, like Luke 09, Max Power. So even if, like, I thought them lads did okay, but even if you thought that they were kind of the worst players, I would have felt shocking picking them because they're not right backs. So I'm kind of glad that Donald Love jumped out because I couldn't have brought myself to put our good friend and um, left-leaning guy, Conor McLaughlin, 
there, so... No, and also, to be fair, McLaughlin, like, I mean, he wasn't great, but he was certainly a lot better than, than Don Love. Arguably, McLaughlin, you know, didn't didn't often play what he possibly should have done. We, you know, I think he he certainly was a competent right-back for the level. Um, and, uh, yeah, Don Love just, just definitely wasn't. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, we won't waste too much time on the ones we agree with because we do mix it up and, uh, obviously, you don't know your own team. So this is the last defender that you do agree on. Um, and uh, you said a half. I mean, this could go wrong because I ask you to name the one you don't agree on. So I'm going to give you a big hint, Mick, when I ask for your next and a half. And I would say a builder is the hint I'm going to give you. Right, so now that you've completely stumped us... Um... Hot carrier, maybe. Hot carrier. Come on, Jimmy. Go on. If I, uh, can I go? Yeah. yeah. Go right, well, my first choice for centre-back is uh, Joel Lynch. Yes. yes. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I'm now kicking myself. <laughs> <laughs> you nearly because killed us there, Mick. You nearly killed yeah, us. I wasn't even, fine. you know, it wasn't even me who came up with the builder hard carry thing, but I ran with it anyway. Yeah. No, it's all right. It's just, it was one of Matthew's crazes, Joel Lynch being a builder, and he's had that many. I couldn't even remember that was a thing once. So forgive me for forgetting that. Yeah. Interesting because, um, like I say, you know, for, again, quite a few people suggested um, Lynch, and uh, I'll go with for I'll go for Jack Gilmore's tweet and mention that uh, Joel Lynch literally gave up at home to Burton under Parkinson. Never seen that like it. Can we remember this game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the one that stands out for me though was Tranmere away. Uh, I think, but maybe not his debut, but it was it, it was not he not played many for us, and he was just really bad, slow, off the pace. Look, like he couldn't be asked. I mean, he come from QPR, hadn't he? So he come yeah. from the championship team, and he just looked terrible. He didn't look fit. He didn't look like he cared. He's, he's passing. I, mean, I know it was a bad pitch that night, but his passing was shocking. And uh, yeah, I just remember thinking, like, why? What? What have we got having this guy playing for us? Like, it's absolute. It's an absolute joke. Was Burn at uh, home the one where he was? Sorry, Jimmy. Was Burn at home the one where he was given the the, the yeah, chat sign with his was, hand yeah. to the? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've never seen a meltdown on a football pitch like that. It's like he kind of didn't have control of his limbs and he just wasn't a very likable guy. He seemed to have like this arrogance that because he'd come from the league above that he would just like kind he was of... doing us a favour. Yeah, and now, and now he plays for loser Crawley. So, you know, like you can't really kind of legislate for that. And and what annoyed me as well was against Doncaster where we yeah. went up to fifth, 13th in the league from 15th in the league. He was giving it like the absolute big and at full time. He accompanied the fans as it was here. Where's that been? It's like, mate, it's our first win for yeah, two months yeah. in the first two English football. Fuck off. Like, I've got that in my notes, Mick, as well. Because we, I think we got criticism when we, when we said this at the time. So yeah. that was when Parkinson finally started to sort of stop being absolutely terrible and turn around a bit. And to be fair, we did go on a good, a good run from that point. But like you say, we were in the bottom half of the table. We beat Doncaster away as we, as we tend to do. And, he was celebrating and he was cupping his ears into the fans, wasn't he? And we got criticism. Well, we got criticism on on Twitter for saying this um, because people were saying, "Oh, he's not man. He's just he's he's, he's just saying, you know, come on, get the noise up." But like, no, 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 he's not. He's 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 having a go at the fans because because um, he's a dick. So uh, yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> exactly he, right, he's, yeah, he's he's the he's the. Uh, the first and a half, and then you split, and and Twitter would kind of agree with you, I think, um, and they go fifty on fifty, fifty fifty on the next two. Mick, your next and a half. Yeah, um, I would like to apologise to 
Matthew Keelan, the Wise Wednesday podcast, and to my past self when I say Glenn Leuven's. First of all, because he's out of position, not in his natural position of winger, but also also because I, I like him, you know, like he, he, was, he was a decent player for Celtic like back in the day as well, but he just was signed him and we kind of thought he was going to be a bit like Danny Bart has been this season, kind of like a solid command and presence, a bit of a natural leader. But when he came, he was just absolutely past it. And the fact that his last ever action in the Sunderland shirt was to get sent off because he just, he was like, he was running through treacle, just kind of epitomised what he was like throughout his time at the club. And as I say, I, I wish him like kind of like, I've got no kind of bitter feelings towards him. He was just finished when we signed him. And that was just the end of it. I just think he's got to go down as our worst centre-half pound for pound since we'll come down. There you go. That's a statement because Jimmy obviously doesn't agree because he doesn't have it in his team. You've, you mentioned there, Danny Bart. That's interesting because uh, P. Walton... 1987 on Twitter has said Glenn Leuven's brought in for similar reasons as Danny Bart, but about 38 years older. Um, Baldwin and Ozturk kept him out of the team. Tells you all that you need to know. Mm. Uh, he, he didn't slam home a dive and header in his own net like Danny Bart did. Uh, but Danny Bart has, has he's turned that round, hasn't he? Just joking. Um, Jimmy, who have you gone for as you have a centre half? I've gone for uh, the aforementioned Jack Baldwin. Is my other centre half. Um, I just thought he was crap, basically, because there was this whole thing where he was like, "Oh, he's good on the ball," um, and he wasn't that good on the ball. He gave he, and his decision making was terrible. I mean, if you look at, so he, I mean, the, the, the performance of his that oh, sticks in my mind. A lot of the times in that first season where we just completely melt down and concede loads of goals, like like that Coventry home game, I think is probably one where you know it would be him and Flanagan at the back, and I think they both had tendencies to just, like, lose their minds completely. And for me, Baldwin just, I don't know, he, he didn't wasn't very, he didn't have a physical presence. He just, I don't know, I, I just thought he was rubbish. And uh, the fact that he's struggled to make a career in League Two and is now playing in Scotland, um, having made barely any appearances for anyone since he left up, so I think says it all. Um, I agree on Leuven's to a point, but I think at least Leuven's had been a decent player. At some point, and I think probably even in the season we had him, I would have rather played him than Baldwin. Um, not initially, but certainly once I've seen Baldwin play, I don't think I would have begrudged him ever uh, coming out of the team team for Leuven. So for me, uh, Baldwin, especially he was bigged up as like, oh yeah, he's good, he's you know he's a really good signing for the level. I mean, he, and he just wasn't like, and he's, I, I he's got nowhere near another League One team since either. So it would suggest that he definitely wasn't a good player for the level. And I just thought he was weak. Bad decision making, not as good on the ball as I think he thought he was, or as what people who liked him thought he was either. And uh, yeah, just just uh, I just remember him his his bad performances in that season just stand out for me. Uh, so that's why he's going in for me. Yeah, I remember the reaction from the Peterborough fans who were very happy to see him leave, and they were like a mid yeah. table League One team at the time. And I was never optimistic that was going to work out. And it's quite testament to Jack Ross actually that Leuven's and Baldwin were the centre half partnership for so long, and Sunderland were top of the league for or second in the league for as long as they were. Maybe it explains his. He's over caution. <laughs> He's over caution yeah. towards the end of the season. Uh, yeah, but so um, I am going to have to say just because Leuven's did a bit of a, a default the other end of the pitch, um, and you know bailed out before we even got halfway through the season. I think I'm going to have to go with uh, with Mickey on this one and, and put Leuven's in into the team. So this is the first real position of interest. So. Um, I'd said that, you know, it was unanimous, wasn't it, in terms of the goalkeeper? And everybody straight away on Twitter, 
piled in with poor Remy Matthews as their suggestion. The left-back has thrown up a debate. There's a, there are a few people um, that have been mentioned here. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if any of you have, have followed the pattern that we're finding on, on social media. And uh, you can give me your explanation, please, Mickey, for who you have as left-back. Yeah, so there was three options I had considered for this. Um, my, my first one, and I'm just going to save one that I ruled out, like dismissed out of hand. So that was Jake Vokens. I kind of considered him for a bit, and I thought, you know what, like kind of young lad, first proper loan spell, you know, he had the, the kind of like the issue with his like heart and stuff like that. I thought maybe it's a bit harsh to include him. So it was down between the two, and I'm guessing Jimmy's gone for the alternative, but mine was um, Lawrence DeBock. Again, based on the fact that like he came from Leeds and I think it, the writing was on the wall when like, I think a Leeds fan kind of replied to Sunderland announcing the sign and saying, finally, you bit of payback for 1973. <laughs> and that just kind of summed him up. I think he had a relatively solid debut against MK Dons, I think, but he was just absolutely appalling. And I think, again, he epitomises kind of one of the bleakest moments in our history. And it's not necessarily his fault, but when he came on against Bolton, when we were in desperate pursuit of a goal, and just he completely destroyed all the mood in the stadium. And again, his loan was terminated halfway through. I just think he was, he was just absolutely appalling. Like I really do. Like because he came in with the reputation of playing at a high level. He's played in Europe before. He should have been able to come to be a league, comfortably be a league one footballer. But he played all the way through that horrendous run under Parkinson. And we kind of basically picked up once he left the club and was never in the team again. So I just think for those reasons, just got to beat the buck. He was terrible. Um... His first game, he was really good. And like you just said, and I think we picked him up on the podcast, and it's what a bit of a, a wise men say tradition. It's called the uh, Ola Toivonen tradition, where we um, <laughs> comment on somebody's really, really good debut and say how they're just what we need. They mix them, missing piece of the jigsaw, and then they go on to be <laughs> terrible. I can remember towards the end of his debut, he was, he was that worn out and exhausted. He was kind of running around in circles at one point, and he, and he got hooped then, but we just put that down to... Um, him being tired, but he was terrible and he was a popular uh, opinion on Twitter as well. Um, Jimmy, who have you gone for? Well, uh, I, I've actually um, gone for Jake Vokens. Um, I just think that it was a t- there was there was three obvious choices, um, and two of them played for us in the same season. Um, obviously, the one I think I can mention the one that neither of us now have said was the third choice, which was Callum McFadden. I actually think he's better than Jake Vokens. He certainly did contribute a lot more. Got He scored a goal, he got a couple of assists. Jake Vokens did a square root of nothing the entire time he was here. See, I, um, I think that's interesting because I mentioned Vokens because I 100% thought you'd have gone for McFadden. Um, <laughs> but again, I've ruled out McFadden because he was signed to be a backup left back who was never supposed to play half the games that he did, yeah. and it was only because of Hume's injury. So I think McFadden was terrible, fair enough, but he was brought in as a backup option. And, he, and like I said, at least he did contribute. You know, he yeah. did he did assist some goals and he even scored. And whereas yeah. Jake Vokins did absolutely nothing. Well, except play really badly for the couple of times that he did play for us. One of our listeners... And, 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 granted, the, the, you know, the, the, the medical issue he had, obviously that's not really, um, in a way, fair to judge him if that was the issue. But at the same time, it's like he's, again, if you look at his career post-Sunderland, it's gone. He's, ne- You know, I think he's playing in Scotland as well. He's certainly not playing regularly wherever he is. And I just think that, like, he... Epitomizes like just kind of a it was just a pointless signing like because we really did need a left back 
and then the one we got was him, and he was just yeah, he was rubbish. So uh, I just thought he didn't contribute anything, and um, was worse than any of the other left. But I genuinely will, I will happily say, I'm sure people will disagree with me on this. That I think Alan McFadden is a better footballer. Than well, so. I mean, it is interesting you say that, and I was gonna, you know, I was gonna bring up the fact that, like, just to, to just highlight how positive you are that even you will used to put a, a case forward for McFans in, in the group chat quite often. Um, Ross Robson, who, who's put on, on Twitter here, sums it up with, with those three left-backs because Falklands did come up a lot as well. Um, Lawrence de Bock makes Brendan Galloway look like Maldini. Callum McVadsey in the same. Um, Jake Vaughans makes Lawrence de Bock look like Roberto Carlos. Um, the fourth <laughs> left-back who was mentioned by a lot of people um, didn't actually play for us. So do you know who I'm talking about there? Didn't actually make a game as far as De- I know. Declan John. Declan John's the other yeah. one, and again, it's 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 generally on the on the premise that like you know he must have been bad if these other people were keeping him out of the team, which is an interesting one, isn't it? Because I this is the, I said I might overrule on something, and this is actually the only one I'm going to do that on because I don't know. I told you to keep off Twitter as not to influence your uh, your debate tonight. I don't know whether you did that or not, or you just mm-hmm. like paid no attention. The avalanche. <laughs> Of suggestions are all for Callum McFadsey and bless him, Shocking. all of them. It oh, cannot. Yeah. I cannot. I have to give the listeners what they want here. I'm afraid because the reaction, and you can just go on after this and log on and have a look. And I know I did come up with the odd goal and assist, and, and he actually played quite well in the fight in that Pizza Cup final, didn't he? Which we've discussed before. Contributed more but than either. I the think other you know. Players. I think in relative terms of the standard of a footballer who was a regular starter in your team. And we can't really say, oh, well, you know, John must have been bad and Vaughan's must have been bad. In, in terms of the context of a regular player representing Sunderland at a level, he is arguably the worst we've ever had. And that is what a lot of people are saying. And I have to not over, overrule you both and put them in the team on, the, on those grounds, but I'm probably going to have to make them captain as well. No. Such such is the demand for Callum McFadden to be in this team. There are far too many people to name and well, reference, as you can imagine, um, or maybe not as you can imagine, because none of you. All uh, I can do is none uh, of you. Uh, I hope Callum's not listening to this. Yeah, I very much I doubt it. I very much doubt it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just a, it's just a football podcast, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, ex- excellent. Um, so, yeah, I, oh. I, yeah, I, I'm afraid I just have to. I, and I'll be honest, when you both submitted your teams to us, I was astonished that none of you had gone from astonished. Well, as as um, David Mitchell's character, Mark Corrigan, once said in Peep Show, people like Coldplay and vote for the Nazis, Jeremy, and that's what's happened here. <laughs> I... Right, what we'll, what we'll do is we'll take a little uh, quick break and, and try and quickly move through the midfielders and on, on the strikers. Um, just a little of admin before that. Um, I want to ask you, the listener, to join us on the 18th of June, which is a Saturday. We have a live pod or a promotion party, as we're calling it, and uh, Danny Collins will be there, Frankie will be there, Phil Smith from the Echo. Um, we're hoping for a couple more to confirm, too, Um I mean, frankly, I mean, frankly, that's, that lineup <laughs> guarantees a great night anyway. So we're looking at eight quid for a ticket plus some fees. So it's less than a tenner. Um, price of a pint and cork in the Globe on Baker Street. That's so definitely well worth it. We are at Poprex in town, in Sunnyside in town. I'm sure 
most people are familiar with that venue and the cultural importance it has to Sunderland. So come and say hello, have a pint with us. If you want to get a ticket for that, all you need to do is go on to Eventbrite. Just search for Wise Men See on there and it will take you straight to the event. Or you can go on our Twitter profile and the direct link is pinned onto a tweet we have there. So that is Saturday, the 18th of June. Promotion party, live pod. Come say hello and have a pint. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 1-0 today, um, defeat. How do, you, how do you assess that game? Just a FA Cup game. Um... <laughs> Welcome back to the Wise Wednesday podcast. Right, we're going to try and quickly go through uh, the midfielders because I, I do feel like um, centre forwards is, is 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 maybe where more people are starting to to focus their minds on when it comes to players who weren't very good for Sunderland um, in League One. Uh, it is interesting, isn't it? Before we move on to midfielders, just to say that you know the four suggestions that we had for left back just shows that that position over the years has been a real problem for Sunderland and League One did not reverse that. We even had a couple of suggestions for um, Oviedo in there, um, which he didn't fulfil his potential, but I don't think you could have put him as the no. as the worst one we had. But that is it's an issue for Sunderland left-back, isn't it? Still. Yeah, I, I think... It's mad. Yeah, it's mental. I think Oviedo, he showed more quality in that crossing point for Gooch against Charlton than any of those four players arguably showed in the time at Sunderland. So, hmm. right on the midfielders, and I kind of like you know almost feel for some of these guys in, in a way because you know a bit like how Jimmy feels about the McFadden, probably the only Sunderland fan who who does. But um, more people can probably get on board with that kind of sympathy when it comes to the midfielders because you do feel like some of these guys tried, and we always say Sunderland fans, oh, you know, we just want people to try. They just, they just, <laughs> just didn't have um, the quality, did they? Um, you can have slightly different formations, but you have picked a couple of the obvious ones yourself, uh, the same ones. So, um, Mick, do you want to tell? You want to give me the name of a, a midfielder that you have in your team? Yeah. So, have we both gone for midfield three? Uh, you have. Jim's gone for more of a like four four two. So I've gone for midfield three, but it's not kind of any clever kind of articulate formations. It's, it's just Jim's gone. Jim's two in the midfield, two with a, a two of your three. Yeah, it's all it's just bog standard three centre midfielders. I feel like I should probably get the most controversial one out of the way, and I've got. Go on, then. Let's do that because I know Jim is quite partial to a cultured footballer, and so am I. 
But I just think purely because I didn't want to pick him, and I said this to you last night, Stephen, but I'm going to go for it. Dylan McGeek. He did get a shout on Twitter as well. But um, elaborate your decision. The reason I went, the reason I went for McGeek is because I think I had two options that just jumped out at me straight away. And then I was sat looking through our squads from the time we've been in League One and just thinking, so you think like Max Power, no, because he kind of like, he scored the occasional screamer, like he clearly loved the club, he gave his best every time he played and I just quite like Max Power. Um, I, I looked through a few of like Ledbetter, obviously he was nowhere near what we thought he was going to be when we signed him, but he absolutely bled red and white and he, and he scored some kind of crucial goals and I think he actually played quite a crucial part of the team last season. Um, and I just think McGeek, I just think, because I remember when we signed him, the hype, because like him and John McGinn, I think had both been in that hip side and people, some hips fans were saying that McGeek was kind of on a par with McGinn and we got McGeek and everyone was absolutely buzzing. And I just think he was just obvious, honestly like the safest footballer I've ever seen in my life. I just can't conceive how he's ever scored a goal because the ball dropped him on the edge of the area like in with a great shooting position. They tried to play this like intricate little pass, just wasn't on. And he just like slowed the game down to like a pedestrian level quite often. And I just think the expectation of him versus a reality he didn't deliver. I think he was a neat and tidy footballer. As I say, I think it's a harsh inclusion, but it's an inclusion I'm going to stick to my guns with nonetheless. And I'm going to say McGeek because he just didn't deliver what he was supposed to. I had it on my notes as well, Mick, the, um, um, the McGinn thing as well because people were saying that weren't they and it was kind of like yeah this guy's far too good for League One and um, like I say neat, neat and tidy but he just never did anything of note or of substance for us like you say that at least you know Grant Ledbetter had the odd bloody 30 yard strike in him um, and the odd screamer in him and the odd assist in him um, and yeah rather than being terrible and stinking the players out just Flattered to deceive, do we think? Is yeah, that well, I, th- I think, I think, like as well, like obviously he didn't fulfil the expectation. I'm not going to say that he did, but um, I think the reason him and McGinn work well together at Hibs, just for an example, is because obviously McGinn did a lot of the box to box work and it allowed McGeek to to get the, the space he needed to play the passes through. And, and I think he didn't really probably put, there was probably not anyone who played in midfield with him who would probably complement his style in the way that maybe he needed. So I agree, he didn't deliver. But um, I think he could have done if he'd have, if we'd have had somebody of it who could play the sort of more box to box role. Sorry, but we we had a we had a, a marauding Lee Catamol in that first season going box to box. Well, yeah, but Lee Cat- no, but Lee, I think Lee Catamol would be, would be would, would play too deep for to complement the gig. I think it would be he'd need somebody more of a box to box, like, like a bit like what we thought Max Powell. Yeah, the Lee Catamol like of the time. Premier League, not of the, not the Zidane yeah, Lee Catamol we got in League One. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just being too um You're always too nice, Jim. You're always too idealistic. I just like it. It's just too yard, don't yeah, try and, 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 and also my, my Scottish team is hips as well, so I always feel like to defend them for that too. So, okay, so you're um, just being biased in the words then, right? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, do you want to give us the name of a midfielder then, Jim? Yeah, um I my first uh the first name on the team sheet for me when it came to midfield was uh Josh Gowan. Just because yeah, I mean it, I've got him as you, well. There's not much, not much need to elaborate, really. I mean, I just thought he was rubbish. Um, obviously, he did play. He, he, by all accounts, I think he's had a good season for Wickham this season. But obviously, it's a totally different style of player expectation. But when we had him, I just like he, he just didn't do anything particularly well, other than make bad tackles and get yellow cards. Like I think, like the amount of times he'd 
just be out of position or having to make ridiculous tackles or just his, and his passing range was terrible. And he, yeah, for someone who played in the championship when we signed him, I couldn't believe. Because I, I thought he was going to be good. And I remember saying to a couple of minutes, oh, he'd be a good signing him. And he just, oh, he was just terrible. Yeah, Mickey, you agree. 100%. I think what's is it all about Scowen is his best performance in red and white came against some children from the West Midlands when we won 8-1 and he put those corners in. Literally, that's about as good as I remember him playing. Like you say, he came with reputation of like a rat. He just wasn't. He just used to give away un- unnecessary fouls. Um, he sliced the ball and it was all net against Charlton when all he had to do was kick Brilliant. the ball forward. Brilliant. Like, he was just, just a loser and he's got to be in the team. If you were going to do a, a compilation of Sun's banter league one days, then that that on goal would 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 be there, and that would. And he scored off. that weird header as well against Charlton, didn't he? Do you remember? It was like from outside the box. I dive another. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was strange. Um, but interestingly, somebody you've both gone for as well. There was once upon a time when there was a bit of an outrage that Josh Scowen wasn't in the team because he was being kept out by Hulmick. George Dobson. Mm, indeed. Indeed. See, George, George Dobson, actually, he was a semi-decent ball winner. The problem being, he had to be because he had to recover his own giving the ball away. Well, there was that one, that red card he got, where literally yeah. it was his own first touch and he cleaned somebody out trying to rescue it. Unbelievable. I mean, he missed an open goal against Sunderland for Walsall. So, yeah, you yeah. know, the warning signs were there. Um, I, 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 some players just have no definition or identity at all, and I just could not tell you what he was supposed to offer yeah. or bring. Do you remember he'd often just run like along the length Sideways. of the halfway line? He was like, he, he, dribb- yeah, he'd dribble so, the ball along the halfway line and then just play a really short pass and just run back the other way. It was like, what are you doing? So, the, the analogy for people, and like you know, like Mick mentioned, McGee up there were, were players who like to keep it safe and then go backwards too much. And people call those players crabs, don't they? And that's a well known analogy for those, those kind of players. But actually, Dobson moved like a crab sideways from one <laughs> touchline to the other with the ball, without doing anything at all. And he was such a bizarre footballer, George Dobson. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously included him as well. I'm mean, sure you that out. And I, I find it mad that he played for Arsenal, like, you know, quite the way through their youth team. And you think of Arsenal players as being sort of cultured ball playing, especially midfielders. And uh, he obviously he obviously wasn't that. But um, he's, he, he's, uh, he got relegated with uh, Wimbledon, didn't he? I think. Oh, no, he's a Charlton now, actually. He was at Wimbledon last season. He's a Charlton, Charlton yeah, he's a Charlton. Yeah. Right, well, you've gone for wingers, Jim. So do you want to tell me who they yeah. are? Uh, my first winger is uh, Jordan Jones. I've gone for just because I thought, again, not the, not the first and not the last player, really, who we've signed with a big reputation and has just done very, very little to justify. I think, I think he had maybe one good game for us against Oxford at home. I see it seems you remember him doing quite well. Then, but otherwise, I just, I just thought that he, he didn't, do anywhere near enough and he went missing so often and I didn't really like his attitude. I thought he he had very much of the sort of like a, quite a, a bit of an arrogance about him. Clearly thought he was really good. Um, didn't get in the team very often. Went to Wigan, didn't get in their team. Came from Rangers where he didn't get into their team. I think it's a, a recurring theme throughout his career has been he's probably has one good game in maybe five, five to ten that he plays. I think depending on the level of the opposition and yeah, I just, I just didn't, I just didn't like him. I didn't like his the way he presented himself, and I just thought that he, 
he wasn't very good. So I chose him. It's interesting when I'm going to try and think of this formation and fit the players in because I, I I don't think I can agree with that. I don't think he was great, but I I, I couldn't have him anywhere near the worst of a team. I, I mean, you know, that goal against Portsmouth was brilliant and he was a frustrating. You're right about the personality. He's clearly a bad egg, isn't he? Like that, it's clear yeah. and there's an issue. But in terms of ability, when he turned it on, he was a good player, and I just. I yeah, just, well, yeah, yeah. I, 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 that, that's almost more annoying. Like when he turned it on, it's like that was so rare mm. that he did it. It's like if he could, like, and it all feeds into the same thing. But yeah, I do, I do take your point. But um, I'm going to struggle because I'm going to, I'm going to have obviously you have to put Scone and, and Dobson. I wouldn't disagree with either of those. Uh, an interesting tweet by Malcolm Basanko. Scone was dog shite. But unlike Greg, at least he tried. <laughs> That's what you look. You do feel sorry for some of these players. That's what I said when we come into the midfield section. You know, these guys try and the grafters, but just, the quality wasn't there. Um, I can't put Jordan Jones in, Mick. What, what did he even in the armor? A couple of people on Twitter suggested him, mind. I, well, purely because I think I want to save my wingers. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I just think that I can't put Jones in because I agree with you. I think. Not only the Portsmouth game, but that um, game against Oxford, he was absolutely unplayable. And um, that assist he had for Gucci's goal to get the equaliser was just outstanding. And I don't like him for like kind of a lot of reasons, but I just can't quite include him in like a worse eleven because he's on his days a match winner. And I agree, he's not had a great career and he wasn't brilliant for us. But I just can't really reconcile with putting him in a worse eleven. Right. Well, I'm probably going to have to go four-two-four here, which is something you didn't want to do, Mick. But I'm, I'm, I'm. I just don't think I'm putting Dylan McGeoch in either. For, for... He flattered to deceive and stuff, but we've had a lot worse footballers than him pass through the club, I think. So I'm going to have to try and um, get four strikers in here. So, I mean, let's let's go for the winger-type strikers first and Mick. Uh, who have you gone for? Well, I'm thinking maybe, like, do I go kind of like an orthodox flat 4-3-3 kind of Dick Advocar style or do I... Let's leave, to... let's leave the obvious centre forwards out, who I think we all know who they probably are, and go for like maybe some of the the more random ones. So I'm gonna go. I think there's two skills of thoughts here. I think you either go for Jerome Sinclair or Gazaya Sterling. I've gone for Jerome Sinclair purely because he um, he was on the bench in Jurgen Klopp's first ever game as manager of Liverpool. He was in and around Liverpool's first team, and then just just over three years' time, he was just. Absolutely atrocious. It was strange because when he first came, he wasn't getting the goals, but he would quite often like start games ahead of Madger. Um, so I remember Shrewsbury away being an example of that, and he played quite well. And Madger came on later in the game, but he just he, he just never looked like scoring, which for a centre forward's far from ideal. And the longer he was here, we just didn't again looked a bit disinterested. Looked as though his confidence was completely shot. And for a player who had been at Liverpool and come from the Premier League, who still had a decent reputation. He just looked as though kind of he couldn't handle the kind of pressure and the expectation of playing for Sunderland. And I just think he was like, again, compared to the kind of breakthrough season that we were hoping he was going to have, you know, he just hasn't delivered whatsoever. And now he finds himself, he doesn't even have a club now. And I just think it's such a fall from grace. And I just think being at Sunderland absolutely swallowed him up. So for that reason, I think he's got to be in. He was mentioned as well on social media quite a bit. You mentioned um, another player there, Jim. Yeah, uh, I went for Kaz, uh, Kaz Sterling just because I thought that... I mean, I agree, Mickey, with, with Sinclair. Um, but I guess, for me, Sterling like, probably had even less of an impact on the team than Sinclair did um, in the same season. I just... Uh, it, it was just a weird sign. And he, he didn't... Couldn't really tell what he was 
meant to be doing. I don't think he really had any particular standout attribute. He was just like a name on the team sheet who would occasionally come on. He scored against Accrington. Uh, I was there for that. That was pretty well, obviously his only his only goal for us. And uh, yeah, I just he's one of them players. He's, he fits the type of when you look back and think, oh, did he really play for us? Like there's so little that you can remember about him even being here. And then I think he's playing for like Potter's Bar Town or somebody now in in non-league. So I think that probably says about his his, his career since. And yeah, just. So, yeah, Castor. Well, I'm happy to go with those two as winners then. So they're going to flank Dobson and in the middle and we're kind of like being a bit creative there, but why not? Um, right, so this top. thing, I've got to adjust mine slightly because I've got two more strikers to name, so I've got to pick between two of you. Well, you know, that's just the way the way, the way way it is. Yeah, the decision the decision is at the minute, we've gone for, for those four midfield, which leaves us with, with two strikers, so... Um, you did have three strikers in your team at the end of the day, Mick. So I, whether the wingers come strikers or whatever. Oh but... right, we're playing four two four, aren't we? Sorry, we're playing well four four two or four four two. We're going to put Sterling and Sinclair on the wings, right? So do. you know, a very attacking kind of kind of four four two. Um, like that four two four to Canio, I was promised it never seemed to happen. <laughs> um, I mean the two strikers probably running away with it as well in terms of reaction yeah. so on it, social it media or, although there's a third one which is such a shame as well um, who we'll give an honourable mention to uh, you want to give us you want to give us a striker's name Mick? Yeah so ignore me I don't have to choose at all so I'm going to go for Danny Graham just simply he came back we pursued him for absolutely weeks on end it looked like we were almost begging for him to come back again scored against some children from the Midlands and was just absolutely appalling he just kind of, I think proportionately, he was actually better for us in the Premier League than what he was when he came down. He just looked like out of condition, couldn't move, completely immobile. Then he missed from underneath the crossbar against Port Vale in the Cup. And I think one of the grimmest evenings I've ever had as a Sunderland fan was watching him and Wyke just lumbering up front against Fleetwood in the 1-1 draw just before Parky got sacked. And it was just absolutely abysmal. So, yeah, and obviously the fact with him, being like a died in the world mag as well, coming back for a second spell and a bit of a pay dear. Doesn't I help. Mean, he's trolled us, hasn't he? Um, Sophie RB73, Danny Graham just pointless. Andy Fox, the only answer to this could be, and this is like overall, the only answer to this could be Danny Graham, purely on the basis we signed him twice and somehow he ended up being worse than the first time we signed him. I mean, he has massively trolled the Sunderland fans there, yeah. hasn't he? Like, it's astonishing that after his first spell, he thought it was a good idea to come back. I know I think he's done interviews since and he said, oh, I knew he knew there was no crowd there and stuff like that. And he's almost like trying to make it like a bit banter on his side. And, and I'm just not buying that. I, I think, but he, also, yeah, I think he came to try and correct. I think he came to yeah. try and correct what had went wrong the first time, but a couple of missed chances, like really bad chances. And we know what happens to center forwards and, and, um, he just couldn't recover from it then, could he? And it was just like history repeating itself. So it was so annoying because the season he had for Blackburn before he came to us, he actually he was scoring, he scored a few in the championship, but he was so off the pace and shocking for us. This like, I mean, I, I, it was, it was like almost like he wasn't like really a professional footballer. If you know what I mean, it's like he wasn't. We didn't move. He didn't do anything. It was like he, he yeah, he was just there for the pay. They were really, really. Frustrated, and 
come from it is that Sunderland fans can't be blamed for it like they were the first time round, or they never never accept them because he didn't play in any in front of any fans. So you know, because what would normally happen in that situation is Sunderland fans would get the blame firstly because he's a mag and they would say you never really accepted him, um, but he'd already experienced that and he's decided to come back himself. The second one would be that the fans are, you know, the mourn and groan if he misses a chance and the star getting on his back. And obviously that didn't happen. So you can't blame the fans for that. And nobody can blame the fans for that one, can they? But yes, a very, another very, very popular um, member. And he goes into the team as one of our two strikers, um, which leaves you both with another striker to... Oh, no, 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 actually, Jim... So McFadden didn't make it team, and the following player does not also make it team. And I want you to explain yourself, Mick. Who was your other centre forward? Well, Greg. Okay, Jim. Would you care to explain yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I, did you forget I, about I him at all? No, I didn't. No, no, no I, did, I didn't forget about Greg. No, I just uh, I thought that my two striker choices were worse. Than him. Okay. Well, would you like to tell us your other striker choice? Uh, Antoine Semenyo. Was my other choice, just because he was rubbish. And I mean, you're just wrong. But <laughs> well, I, 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 I know he's, I know he's doing all right now. Because I just I put him in there because he was like he was signed by. Why, I don't know why we even signed him because we signed him and then never played. And then when we did play, we did nothing. And yeah, I just I, I picked him. I, I didn't really do it as like a weighing people up against other people. So I I went for them and then it was like, oh well, I'm put Greg in it, but blah blah. blah, blah. I kind of thought that other people would anyway, so we still talk about him. And I, I also just like to think that bad as he was, he wasn't as bad as either of the two strikers that I picked. So. I think a couple of factors there. Didn't Semenyo usually come on the wing for us when he did come on? Yeah. So I'd say if you are... Well, I, I had him down as a winger and I had striker, yeah, Sterling as my other striker, but we did them the other way around. Oh, right, okay. That makes a little bit more sense. But I, I don't think he was great for us by any stretch. But like you pointed out yourself, he never got the opportunity. He was always kind of brought on the last 20 minutes if we were chasing the game. And I, I just think, I, I just don't think he got the fair crack of a whip. He was a classic Phil Parkinson ideology of you sign someone, you don't bother playing them. Um, and I think he was a victim of that. I think the reason I went for Greg was just purely because he was signed as a man who was going to like fire us to promotion and, and and to be fair to Greg, he did get chance after chance. And actually, I think the fans, myself included, I think were like just so patient with him, saying, right, all he needs, pre-season, yeah. he needs what to go on off his backside. Because I used to actually say it myself all the time, he's doing the right things, his link-up play is still decent, he's still being quite unselfish. But he just, as you say, he, he did give off, and I know he's been the same nearly everywhere, but a bit of a disinterested vibe, and he came out in the athletic and kind of like slammed kind of like the club a little bit. And I just think just playing for Sunderland was just far beyond him, and he just couldn't cope with with, with football kind of being our day to day lives. And he just, as I say, I think what kind of really summed it up for me was that MK Don's game, where again the ball rolled under his foot when he's on the goal line. You just thought, right, that's it. You're just never ever gonna yeah. like kind of play for Sunderland ever again and he was farmed out on loan very shortly. Every time you sort of, like you say Mick, we were so patient with him as a fan base and every time we were like, no, it, it will it will come, he, he looks sharper this pre-season he looks better and then he'd go and miss an empty goal and you just think, I can't I just can't stick up for him anymore, I can't you know, I sympathise with him to an extent, though you say now, like looking back, you do wonder how interested he was but Will Grigg will always, always be the symbol of Sunderland's mm. Bad League One 
adventure and I couldn't not put him in the team and Jim left him out but everybody else put him in and in years to come when somebody shows you a picture of Will Grigg wearing a Sunderland shirt you are going to be instantly transported back to the nightmare that was League One. Right, okay, we have gone over a bit, so uh, I think I know the answer here. But uh, did you go for a manager? Yeah, it just had to be had to be Phil Parkinson. I know some people do defend him a little bit, but for me, he was just a completely wrong man at the wrong time, just devoid of any life or emotion. And as annoying as Johnson was, I think I'd rather listen to Johnson all day, every day, talk about football than Parkinson who used to come out and lecture us about how. It was a great point at Doncaster because they'd beaten Shrewsbury and they'd beaten X, Y, and Z. And it's like, do you mean, mate? Like, you're managing Sunderland in the third division. And I think he just kind of saw us as another League One club. And for a man of his kind of, like, very moderate reputation, he didn't seem like to be, like, honoured to be here even. Like, there's managers. I think Grayson, I think he's spoke poorly since he left. But at the time, I did sense he really wanted to be here and get it right. Mm. But I think Partinson, he just, he just didn't. He's complete apathy. Yeah. I think I translated yeah, it onto the squad, and hundred percent it did, yeah, hundred percent. And the football was just really dour. And then we had that kind of exciting spell for about six weeks, but then that just disappeared, and it just he just flogged an idea to death until it didn't work anymore. He had no variety. He couldn't switch things up. And you've seen at Wrexham, like he, t- he had the tendency to kind of bottle big games as well. And he lost the FA well, Trophy final last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they lost that playoff the other day, and they've lost the playoffs as well. Yes, I mean it. <laughs> absolutely had to be Phil Parkinson. He came here a broken man. He'd barely won a game in two years. And, you know, you used the word there, Mick, negative. Um, just a reminder of uh, what he sounded like after Sunderland lost a game. But over the course of the game, there was enough quality that's gone in there uh, for us to get something from, from the, well, to, to win the game. And, um, you know, we've got to look at that because, um, um, you know, it's a very disappointing defeat for us. And um, it's back to the drawing board Monday morning. So to finish up, I'm going to read through that team and remind everybody what it is. Our nightmare 11 for League One, remember, it's just a bit fun, is as follows. Remy Matthews is in goal. Right back, Donald Love. Left back and captain, Callum McFadzine. Centre-halves are Joel Lynch and Glenn Leuvens. Then we have a midfield pairing of George Dobson and Josh Scowan. We have Sterling and Sinclair as the wingers. And the ultimate centre-forward League One partnership is Danny Graham and Will Grigg. A lot of honourable mentions for Jermaine Defoe, I have to say. That's some turnaround from the status he was at um, prior to him signing, of course, uh, in January. But there we have it. There is your final 11. Just a quick reminder about our live event. We would love to see you come along to that. It is Saturday, the 18th of June. It's on the night, obviously. Uh, it is at Poprex, and we have a few guests signed up. Danny Collins, Frankie Francis, Phil Smith, and we're hoping on a couple more confirmed. We'll just wait and hear from them. But anyway, that's a good lineup as it is. Eight quid plus fees, about nine quid odd. You can go to Eventbrite, look for Wiseman say on there, or you can go onto our Twitter page, and our pinned tweet has the direct link uh, to book yourself a ticket. We'd love to see you there. Come and have a pint, say hello. Lots of uh, fun things lined up um, for that event and uh, as always thanks for listening
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.